Happy Friday, everyone. Today on CityCast Las Vegas, I'm joined by co-host Vogue Robinson and contributor Andrew Corrali. And we're talking about a lion-sized animal rights debate, why Uber and Lyft drivers are protesting, and what would happen if Oakland kept the A's, at least that name. It's Friday, September 1st. I'm David Figler, and here's what Las Vegas is talking about. Vogue, Andrew, welcome to the Friday News Roundup. Always a good time. Good morning. Good times. Yeah, I'm feeling it. (laughs) I'm feeling it too. I mean, there's a lot of stuff swirling around and not just on a racetrack near the Strip. Let's talk about something that used to be on the Strip and it's not anymore, and that's lions. So, Vogue, what's up with the Lion Habitat Ranch in Henderson? Oh, dear. Yes, they're under some pretty heavy scrutiny uh, because the organization sent out a letter, uh, a very heartfelt, uh, intense letter (laughs) um, for fundraising purposes. And uh, there was a woman who is an animal rights activist who received the letter said that it was misleading that based on the letter that she believed that the the organization was engaged in fraudulent fundraising purposes and making really provably false statements for the purpose of raising money. And so um, on one side, we've got Keith Evans, who is the man behind the Lion Habitat Ranch, and they have like 40 lions and other animals on site. And he was saying, I wrote this letter and because this is what was you know, requested of me by the company that we hired, Eberly, to fundraise. So I wrote a heartfelt letter. They took the letter and sent it out. So in the OG letter, you know, he says, I've already exhausted my life savings and previously maxed out my credit cards to keep my big cats fed and safe. Um, You know, I tried to do a lot of on my own over the years, but I need help. He was saying, you know, I hate to think of what would happen to them. I can't imagine what would happen if for some reason I couldn't take care of them. Some of them may even be euthanized because it's just not that easy to find forever homes for the cats. So things of that nature. That's a real hard string puller. Wasn't there a mention of a canned hunt as well as one of the possible fates of the of the lions? Oh, yes. No, the letter is um, I don't it's, it's a work of art. <laughs> <laughs> it's like handwritten eight pages or something. <laughs> yes. It literally opens talking about the cat that he loved that was only five years old that died. And he says it was my fault. Now, before I tell you the rest of the story. Make sure you sign this petition <laughs> to, oh, wow. to, to stop cage hunting to the Secretary of Agriculture. So he was saying that, you know, he had a lion that he loved. He couldn't care for it. It got sent to this place that literally just procures <laughs> lions so that they can hunt them for sport. And he said that there are several places like that that take lions, take animals and put them in, you know, a semi wild area for for fun hunting. So the letter that went to the AG, I took a look at that, and the the animal rights activist who got this fundraising pitch was offended because on the one hand, uh, she had some qualms about using these canned hunts, uh, which are unlawful in a number of states in the United States, as maybe being misleading or false. But she also was like, is he really going to euth- euthanize his cats? And if so, 
shouldn't there be some other sort of like investigation of this guy? I mean, she was very upset about getting this letter. If I'm thinking about this from a fundraising perspective, because fundraising has a list of things that you are supposed to do. There's a way to galvanize your audience and really help them understand the story. Like storytelling is the major element of how you raise funds. So he opens with the story of this is why, why do I have this lion habitat? Because I never want to see another animal that I love get taken and hunted for sport. And these animals that were raised in captivity, raised to be in circuses and whatever the hell else, couldn't survive in the wild. And that's why I have this place. And here's worst case scenarios. And the reason for that whole section of the letter was more so about, please sign the petition. Then the next section was, hey, you know, I run this place and I've been running it by myself for a long time. It's hard out here in the streets. And, but the end of it is very, you know, help us Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're our only hope. Like it literally says like, you are our only hope. You're the lion's only hope. And, you know, I can't do this without support from people like you. Yeah. And then it and, closes with... But using with the E word there the really seems to again about have Mandrake. made this, like, blow up uh, in in this guy Keith Evans' face. And he's had to backtrack on some stuff. I mean, when you're s- suggesting strongly that if you don't give me money, we're going to have to euthanize cats, which he didn't say directly, but there was that seemingly suggestion based was, on what no, we're talking was, about. Without your help, I may not be able to care for the lions. Yeah. yeah. Feels yeah. emotionally extorty. Yeah. And that's what fundraising is if you do it well. <laughs> but, yeah, but there yeah, are exactly. lines to cross, right? Tastefully, right. Yeah, exactly. Extort, but tastefully. <laughs> right? First of all, animal rights activism is so often cast in absolute terms. Right or wrong, vegan or carnivore, captivity or freedom, right? I, I'm just wondering... Is there, to give him some benefit of the doubt here, is there any space to empathize with the owner of the lion habitat ranch? And what would that look like? What do you think, Andrew? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right in pointing out that there is a space for for nuance in this. And I mean, I wonder if there is some responsibility on the part of, you know, the companies that capitalize on animal entertainment you know, make tons of money. And then, you know, when it hits retirement age, right, the animals just sort of conveniently go away. So I guess my question would would be, you know, are the venues that use these animals, are they morally responsible, perhaps legally responsible, perhaps financially responsible to help take care of these animals in their, you know, twilight years? Because there's, right, you can't say say to a a lion that's uh, seeing retirement, hey, time to go find a, a part-time job being a greeter at Walmart or something like that, right? So I think it does raise those, uh, those you know, ethical and, and legal questions for sure. I've never been to the Lion Habitat Ranch. Have either one of you? I haven't been. No, never no. been. Mm-mm. I've heard of it, though. And I guess, you know, it, it seems like in some level it's sort of a refuge for all these animals that have been involved in uh, various strip endeavors and maybe even circus endeavors. I don't know. I, I'm just wondering if the ranch is kind of a relic of a specific era in Vegas entertainment. Mm, it sounds like you want retirement plans for lions. Yeah, exactly. I think your comment about this being a, a sort of a relic of a of a bygone age in, in entertainment, not just in Las Vegas, but more broadly is uh, is quite apt. And if there's a silver lining to this, I think it's that I feel like we're evolving past the point where we can just use animals for entertainment without a mm. second thought, you know, without a care about their, you know, their well-being, their 
their welfare, their, you know, care and upkeep. But yeah, this raises the question of like, yeah, how do how does a lion fare in retirement? Whose responsibility? Is it MGM Grand? Is it Keith Evans? But the fact that we're having these conversations as opposed to done with the animals, send them off to canned hunt land is, uh, is I suppose, a good thing. Wait, mm. no. Canned hunt is a bad thing. No, 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 no. the fact that we're that we're that we're talking about that that we're, we're actually asking about... what happens to the animals after you know their their years of you know indentured service and you know not just saying goodbye you know whatever happens to you happens to you. This is the fact that we're having the conversation about hey, is there a retirement plan for performing animals? Is yeah. uh, I suppose a, a, like a the old actor's home or something? Right, oh, exactly, exactly, and um, yeah, and you know the fact that. People look, to, you know, people do a double take whenever, you know, you, you talk about, you know, circus animals or animals in entertainment now. Yeah. That used to be kind of like a, like protesting the circus used to be kind of like a radical kind of PETA thing. Now it's not unreasonable to say, uh, that's not cool. You know, even some people question the concept of zoos, you know, and, and you know, whether they should sort of exist, um, you know, in the, in the sort of the modern world. So, yeah, I yeah. think it's good that we're having that conversation. All I see is Pinocchio. Like, what do, what do we do with puppets once we can't use them anymore? Um, so I I'm see sorry, Dumbo I have to get the head. visual out of my head. When I think yeah. about who's responsible, then I think it's it should be both. I think, you know, if you start a lion habitat, then you've got to do the fundraising and make sure that the place is maintained. It's your business, so you got to do that. But I also think MGM and other, other resorts, other places that have brought these animals in, other trainers, et cetera, I think they should probably have a, you know, a monthly donation they're sending in as well um, on some goodwill. Like, I know it's a... <laughs> Yep. <laughs> it's a oh, word yeah, we perfect. don't use yeah. often uh, when we're talking about these larger companies. But I think that, yeah, that, that the casino should have some goodwill and put in a monthly contribution. Uh, and, and then I think they may or buy. may not do that. I haven't looked at the 990s of this nonprofit, but um, which is, you know, the reporting form. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. whatever they're giving, obviously, it's not enough if he has to spend $600,000 in his mind on a conservative direct mail fundraising group. Yeah. It's so weird. Hopefully, no matter what, the health and welfare of the animals are in the appropriate hands of whoever supervises that, and they'll live long and healthy lives. Let's hope so. Yeah. It gave me an idea for retirement. I'm just going to canned hunt myself, just like most dangerous <laughs> game me. Most dangerous game me. Just put me on a ranch. Let me loose. I, I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> You'd pay to be on that, huh? Only a dollar. That's probably one of your dreams to help me down. <laughs> oh my god! I would just Ooh. use paintballs. I, I don't want. I think to we, I think we just came up with a, an episode of Black Mirror, right? It's like the ultimate retirement plan. Hey, it's David Figler, and one of my favorite food festivals is coming back to town. It's Vegas Unstripped over at the Palms Hotel on Saturday, May 18th. Over two dozen chefs from some of Las Vegas's most talked about restaurants creating original, unique menu items they've never made before. Chef creativity at its best. We're talking chefs from Partage, Esther's Kitchen, Milpa, EDO, and more, including this year's James Beard Award finalist Steve Kessler from Aroma. Tickets are $150 and are all-inclusive of food and drink, so you don't have to pay for anything once you're inside. No hidden up charges. I went last year, and it was so crowded in the best possible way. We got one remarkable dish after another, and while it was a little indulgent, here's the best part. 
The net proceeds go to local charities. So head on over to VegasUnstripped.com to get your tickets now. We'll see you there. All right. Well, uh... Animal rights activists aren't the only angry people in the valley. Uh, Apparently, some Uber and Lyft drivers got something under their skin because they're protesting. Andrew, what's that about? Yeah, so rideshare drivers are angry and frustrated. Uh, On Wednesday, uh, frustrated Uber and Lyft drivers protested at several locations in town, including the, uh, the Uber hub where they get services and stuff, and that's on Decatur and 215. And they also protested at the staging lot across from the Thomas and Mack Center. So what are these guys protesting? Well, the fact that surge pricing was not in effect last weekend, apparently, during Beyonce's two big concerts at Allegiant Stadium. And usually with, you know, large events, surge pricing, you know, sort of kicks in. Um, but Uber says it could not trigger surge pricing in this case because Nevada was still under a state of emergency during Tropical Storm Hillary. Mm. So drivers feel hella ripped off. Um, So to kind of give some context about surge pricing and how it works, uh, most people know this, but in case not. So during big events, when there's high demand, rideshare companies like Lyft and Uber usually offer surge pricing. And the idea is to kind of goose the supply to meet the demand, thinking that higher pay for drivers should get more drivers out on the roads. Um, a lot of people argue that surge pricing is just, you know, kind of like a fancy Greed. term for, you know, price Greed. price gouging, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's you know, like flights when you're catching a flight during Christmas time, it's always more right. expensive. Greed. Yeah, yeah. So there's an argument about whether it's price gouging or whether it's, you know, natural supply and demand, and uh, you know, it's a, a worthwhile debate. Um, but I guess the question on everyone's mind is, you know, Uber's kind of using the state of emergency as kind of cover, right? And, and saying, well, hey, our hands were tied. We couldn't, you know, institute surge pricing because the idea is that during actual emergencies, you want to prevent price gouging in case people do need transportation or ride services in, you know, an actual emergency situation. Though I feel like in this situation, it feels like Uber is using it as an excuse to, you know, give the drivers the the shaft. Don't rideshare companies want to charge the maximum because that is money that flows to them for the same exact rides? I mean, is Uber disincentivized to do surge whenever they can? And just this law seems to have stopped them from doing what they probably wanted to do, too. Who who are Uber and Lyft? Uh, who are they? Who are they protesting? Were they protesting the state? Were they protesting their corporate overlords? Were they protesting humans? These drive well. So according to these drivers, I mean, they are you know directly protesting the policies of Uber and Lyft, and whether or not Uber you know could have instituted surge pricing or not, I, I'm not necessarily sure. But I, I guess like my broader take is that the drivers are acting like this is sort of like, you know, an unfortunate, exceptional kind of case and not, you know, part of how rideshare services kind of like systematically operate where, you know, they are taking the the money that is generated by their drivers and, you know, vacuuming it upwards while, you know, arguably systematically impoverishing their 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 riders, right? I mean, that's like, to me, that's the definition of the gig economy, right? Hmm. Where you basically minimize your financial and legal and moral obligations to your workers and say, well, you're an independent contractor. You don't get sick days. You don't get vacation leave. You don't get overtime. You don't get health insurance. You don't insurance. get health benefits. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So what, so what happens with drivers, right? They got to 
you shop also- for health insurance. They got to take other gigs. They got to, you know, in some cases, get on public assistance like food stamps. I feel for the drivers because, you know, they're working people and uh, they deserve good pay. And, uh, you know, and people coming out of a Beyonce concert, are they in a state of emergency? I would argue probably not. And they could probably, you know, be fine paying, uh, you know, a few extra bucks because demand is high. It's not unreasonable for prices to to, to go up. So uh, I sympathize with the drivers. I mean, when ride-sharing platforms, they don't call them transportation companies, passed right. the Nevada legislature, it went so fast. And all of these kind of consequences were certainly known but not discussed, mm-hmm. and they weren't yep. worked out. I mean, Vogue, <laughs> were Uber and Lyft just... Uh, a half-baked idea that isn't so good for Las Vegas, or are you a Uber and Lyft believer? Oh, I mean, I don't know about believer. <laughs> so my spouse definitely worked Uber during a time frame where he was not working. I have caught Lyft many a time from the airport uh, because I'm always like, it's it's just it's so much faster and more convenient. Mm. So as an app overall, I remember all the drama. I remember what it took to get Uber and Lyft here and the different laws that had to get changed and the arguments and the, the pushback from our cabbies. And it was it was interesting because it took a chunk out of a different pre-existing economy <laughs> for, yeah. for our cab mm-hmm. drivers. So oh, yeah, it decimated. Was, you're right. There was already there was already friction in the valley for that. So I think for me. When I think about Uber and Lyft, I am forever irritated with the the surge prices. They suck, uh, especially when it's like, oh, you know, on a regular day, a $15 ride could become 30, could become 45. So that sucks. <laughs> However, it makes sense for when you're in a congested area or it's right after a concert. If you've worked as a contractor and you have an expectation of when you're going to make a lot of money or like, you know, it's like holiday season and all the stores have to close because of whatever emergency, then you just take a hit, right? But in this scenario, the the natural disaster had passed out of the strip area. And so it should have been lifted by the time the Beyonce concert hit. That's how I feel about that. Yeah. and it's a bit, But isn't there like a place where Uber could say, wow, what a weird situation. It's technically, you know, the Beyonce concert, you know, wasn't technically, you know, you know, sort of covered by this state of emergency. We couldn't trigger surge pricing. Sorry, drivers, here's a bonus, or we'll make you whole somehow, or we'll, we'll compensate you somehow. Well, see, that's, that's a not good even protest. part of the conversation. To yeah, treat exactly. gig workers better. Yeah, I, I think I that's Shocking. more of an idea than, you know, I don't know, taking yeah, a holistic look at the entire gig economy and realizing that all the component parts are part of poor planning on the part of, Local entities, state entities in enforcing these things through without Mm -hmm. thinking these things through. So even the placement of Allegiant Stadium and the lack of parking and ingress and and, and, and egress, Mm -hmm. the the transport issues around it, the car culture of Las Vegas. I mean, all these are factors that you could pretend don't exist all the time and just focus on the one hot issue. Or you could take a step back and say, we do this in Las Vegas in a very shitty way and creating a gig economy while it helps people in a very short-term way, is a fundamentally flawed program that probably needs reevaluation, especially in the designation of independent contractor versus employee, the need for health benefits, the need for overtime, all the other stuff that you know might be a better way to approach employment and healthcare in not just our state, but our country. But woof, I could go big on all issues. 
I love that you want to flip the entire system of like the way that Uber and Lyft manages their business. I'm not mad at that, David. I'm not mad at that at all. In my head, I'm just like, well, the government should have just like lifted, you know, the hold and let them do their surge. You're like, no, surging is wrong. I'm here for that, David. I like I like your overhaul. Okay, thanks Andrew, for you, yours thanks for well. affirming that. Come on, devil's advocate, Andrew. Tell me I'm just full <laughs> of shit and just an anti-capitalist. I was or like, something. no. I mean, Andrew laid it out pretty well too. <laughs> no, I completely agree. And 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 there's sort of like this insidious thread that's kind of entered these conversations, and it goes like this: Well, no, rideshare corporations can't turn all their drivers into employees and give them health benefits and you know sick days and vacation time and treat them like employees because then it wouldn't be a sustainable model because the prices would have to be so high. So yeah, rideshare is yeah. terrible. Is it is it addictively convenient? Do I use it? Yes, but I don't think it's good for Las Vegas. And by every measure, every study shows that you know Uber's and, and Lyft's you know arguments when they were sort of in their sort of big coming out party was like we're going to reduce road congestion because we are taking yeah. drivers you know off yeah. the road. But that's actually shown to be not true, and that you know rideshare services actually increase road congestion. So that also raises the question of. Okay, well, what impacts are they having on public infrastructure, you know, and climate, you know, <laughs> on roads and the climate? And so it's like, so again, oh, socialize the the costs, you know, privatize the the, the profits. So uh, yeah, not, well, you know, here, so. here's my takeaways from this conversation. One, tip your Uber and Lyft drivers really yeah. well because amen, now it's on amen. us to try to remedy these inequities. Two, with cash, with cash. Two, mm. let's let's see what because they're protesting again today. Um, yeah. Later, later on, let's see how they narrow their message or define their message as something we can all get behind. Uh, and looking forward, I hope this conversation continues um, because you know we got two big events coming up. We got the F one in November, uh, Super Bowl Ugh, in February. That's gonna be it's going to be you know nightmare. nightmare. Yeah, exactly. But you know, I, I hope I hope that the, the the sort of pool of drivers continue to organize, continue to. You know, I, I hate to, you know, sound like the, the, the labor ratchet, but, you know, get some class consciousness, you know, going um, but, and, you know, c- you know, continue to agitate. Well, let's move on to uh, a different city and their woes. Uh, the Oakland mayor is still in the game trying to keep the Oakland A's baseball team there uh, doesn't look great for their prospects. And apparently there's conversations that are happening between people in Oakland and uh, the mucky mucks up at uh, Major League Baseball. And there's all sorts of like penalties for leaving Oakland and stuff. So the Oakland mayor floated. What about this? What if the team and, and, and their owner all relocate to Las Vegas, but we keep the name A's or athletics, presumably to lure a new team to the area and get to call them the Oakland A's. In fact, that was part of the discussions that were reported upon by uh, Fox 5 here that said that, you know, they also want to be at the top of the list for an expansion team, presumably to call them the Oakland A's to keep that continuity and that branding. That would be fairly unprecedented in in Major League Baseball, but something like that happened with the Cleveland Browns when huh. they left because oh, yeah. uh, they became the Baltimore Ravens, and then yeah. Cleveland got its own team again and called them the Browns again to be able to continue with that tradition. Interesting development. If the name Athletics, y'all, stays in Oakland, we got a blank slate for a name. 
what we call the Vegas uh, baseball team. What do you think? I'm not good at naming baseball teams, you guys. <laughs> Generally speaking, I just can I can I just say she can keep the name because it's dumb. <laughs> I just I'm gonna start if we start there. I would be so happy to not have the Las Vegas Athletics because it sounds stupid. Athletics is so generic. So okay, we have the Golden Knights. We could call them the Vegas Sports Guys. And then what's the other <laughs> David? What's the other baseball team we have right now? We have the Aviators. Aviators. Yeah, which I actually like. I actually like the Aviators. That was kind of a Howard Hughes riff because he yeah, owned exactly. a big aviation company. You want to stay on theme with yeah, Aviators? Yeah, I'm trying to, like, how do we compile a theme here? So we have- The pilots? No. But I, the, 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 the sort of the cues, the cues the to, to what makes the Aviators a good name is that it's, there's definitely a Vegas reference and a historic reference, but it's not apparent at first glance. So it's kind of oblique. And I kind of like that, you know? And uh, so I think if you could do something like that. I mean, the Hughes thing is interesting. We could call them the the Vegas fingernails or something. Cause the fingernail clippings. Yeah. The urine yes. jars. Dire wolves. <laughs> dire wolves? Did yeah. I just miss that we got into Game of Thrones somehow? No, it's not for Thrones. It's because our we have like a state park that's coming. <laughs> so we have some of those remains in the valley. So like I'm trying to look at like, okay, what if... What has lived in the valley previously? Uh, like ichthyosaurs. Ichthyosaurs have. Can yeah, we... our state, our state dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, guys. What about the bluebirds? I mean, there's a lot of uh, birds and colors in in Major League Baseball, and the mountain bluebird is our state bird. A little too delicate. I mean, you've got Orioles and. Hey, Las Vegas Gila's. Do we have Gila monsters here? What is our state? Roadrunners? Is there already a No, we're the Mountain Bluebirds. That's the, that's uh, the state I kind of like Roadrunners. I vote Roadrunners. Oh, Roadrunners aren't yeah. bad either. Yeah. Let's do Roadrunners, it. I think, is actually, yeah. Let's, so there it is. Solved. Solving the problems. I will tell this to our listeners. If, if you've got a unique name that has not been used for any other sports team in Las Vegas or that has not been suggested yet, just something brand, brand new, put it on the social medias and tag us. Why not? Let's see what we got. Maybe it'll be a whole nother episode if it actually comes to having to name the new Las Vegas baseball team. But if it's a terrible name, we're putting you on a canned hunt. Oh, God. God. Let the hunts go. <laughs> oh, all right. Now on to my least favorite story of the week, which is that we're going to be hearing a little bit less of Vogue Robinson here in the coming months on CityCast Las Vegas. She has made the decision, which I tried to veto, but apparently I do not have that power, to step down (laughs) from hosting. But she is definitely going to still be a contributor, and we're going to get you back on here, Vogue, to chat uh, especially on these Friday news roundups, because you are just such a great voice when it comes Aww. to these um, backward looks at the week. And I love your perspective. So, Vogue, tell us all what you're up to and where listeners can follow you. Oh, thanks, David. That's super sweet. I've loved my time with uh, CityCast Las Vegas. I've learned so many things, especially about audio production that I would have never learned <laughs> if not for having this job. Uh, and I love that it's given me more time to spend with you. With and I got to hang out with Andrew um, in person as well, and then the rest of the team. So um, I don't take the time like lightly. Uh, things I'm doing uh, mostly all of the same things, and then sleeping. So um, you came here <laughs> with a lot on your plate. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah, <laughs> I was like <laughs> nothing new. It's all the same. So 
if people want to keep up with me, they can follow me on Instagram at VogueR316. And that's probably the easiest and fastest way to be like, what is Vogue doing today? The next thing I'm doing, uh, Friday, September 8th, I'll be leading a poetry workshop online for um, a for a conference for um, The Word, a, st- a storytelling sanctuary. So I'll be leading a writing workshop. Um, I'll also be kind of starting to offer some private in-person um, art workshops as well with people kind of doing some I don't know, art art for getting your life, <laughs> having having a bit more freedom and fun. So doing some some of those things, uh, finishing my second book and uh, continuing to work at Left of Center Art Gallery. And so if you really want to see me um, a second or a fourth Saturday at Left of Center, you can find me there and I will give you a private and wonderful tour of the gallery, the studio uh, and whatever show that we have up. Because right now we have Michael Dotson's um, work up and it's called Levitate West and it's the most Vegas art exhibition I've ever seen. It's beautifully neon and desert landscapes smushed together. And it's amazing. I want to also point out that you're a very gifted visual artist as well. And your your works are really stunning. I mean, I was trying to think of a a, a word for it, but stunning is the one that came came to mind first. Uh, And and people could probably buy those from you if they got enough scratch. Um, Oh, I love you And they're just beautiful. They're just beautiful. (laughs) How do people buy your art, Vogue? They are for sale. Uh, you can go to my website, which is Vogue316.com. Uh, and I mean, it's so funny because I never focus on the selling part. I'd, I'd focus on the like art for healing, like come paint. I would. I actually would rather you come over and paint with me. But if you really mm-hmm. want me to make you something, you can also just hit me up on the gram um, or go to the website and send me a message or look at what's already up on the website. But the photos, the photos never do it justice. That's not my gift yet. <laughs> so like come to the house. <laughs> And look at the work. So oh, I'll beautiful. probably have a show by the end of the year. Awesome. Oh, and, and speaking nice. of Graham, let's let's switch gears to a different Graham. Yeah. You know, you've got you've got a big fan out there in one Mr. Graham Carr, local uh, Las Vegas resident, who writes us about how much he loves you. And when he heard the news that you were leaving, he asked us if we would ask you to do one more before you go. Uh, I guess catchphrase. Uh, do you need a, a feed for that? You know what no, I'm talking about. I'm so ready. You ready? Yes. All right, here, here we go. Yes, I, I'll give you three, Graham. Graham, that's trash. <laughs> okay, that's trash. Nice. Trash. There you oh, go. Three, three trashes. Three, right. three trashes. Um, please use it. them uh, You know, with safe discretion. He can use them for his ringtone now. But I try not to call people trash. People are recyclable. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Graham. I love you, too. Well, what a what a bittersweet note to end this Friday news roundup with. But Vogue, uh, on behalf of every contributor and the staff here at CityCast Las Vegas, we not only wish you great success, we know you're going to succeed in whatever you put your mind to, but the door is always open for you to come back whenever you want to contribute and uh, play in the sandbox again. Yes. Thanks, David. And thank you. Thank you both. Andrew, Vogue. Yeah, for um, sure. Thanks for joining us on the Friday News Roundup. See you on the canned hunt. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. Our lead producer is Sonia Cho Swanson. Our producer is Layla Mohammed. Our newsletter editor is Scott Dickensheets. And our hosts are me, David Figler, and the magnificent Vogue Robinson. Music is by OG Moose and all the kimonos. 
We record this show on the traditional homelands of the Nuuvi, the Southern Paiute people. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend? Rate the show. We like those star ratings. Get them up there. Five, five, five. Leave us a review and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back Tuesday morning with more news from around the city. Y'all take care. What we just call it the martinis, the Las Vegas Ooh, martinis. I like that. That's that, that's kind of that, that's. Let's just, just call them the showgirls. Like yeah. <laughs> so things are just getting getting suddenly low it's effort. It's getting bad. David, <laughs> please move us on. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>